I think he figures, oh, what the heck, you know, let's let's give it a try. It has no sense of the degree that uh, this game is going to change his life. You have control over everything that somebody sees and hears for two hours. Every single thing. And the audience knows that you can show them anything. You know that you've got computers and you can make transverse wrecks, eat a car. So they know you can do anything. So the question is, what don't you do? My tact on it was I wanted to present in as wide a frame and in as as uh, unloaded a situation point of view as possible. As much of a kind of just simple proscenium way. This is what's going on. This is what this guy sees, you know, and 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 to experience the movie through Michael Douglas. And you have to be so ca cautious of doing too much cinematic engineering. But the idea of the style of the movie was to do something that was much more open and much simpler. So that you kind of go, you know, the, the director's job is to cast these actors, give them the lies to come in and say, and have them come in and say them as convincingly as possible. And not to, you know, you cut to somebody's face, the audience knows that you've taken some time out, you've, you've done something, you've lost something, you've gone to something that excises other aspects of the room to showcase this one thing, um, there's, a, there's something behind it, there's a reason. Whatever the reason is, if it's not clear at the moment, it'll be made clear later. So it puts this importance on it. You have to be very careful about how much importance you put on anything, because everything is going to add up. Everything is, the audience is cataloging it's a tricky movie in that respect, and, and you know, maybe I'm overthinking it, but I, I always felt like, you know, what what you really want to do is is uh, get out of the way of the material and not do too many kind of telling, you know, kind of push in on, on the, the keys or too many telling kinds of uh, close-ups of things. I want to play a game. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. 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 Last Memphis episode. Uh, before we get into this week's theme, I just want to note that our collective favorite horror movie this year, I don't think I'm speaking out of school here, um, a movie called Censor, which we talked about back on our British horror episode. We all decided that was our favorite horror movie of 2021. It is now on Hulu. Well, so if you if you haven't wow. yet, it was a high price rental when we talked about it. So if you haven't seen Censor, I don't think that horror gets any better in any year than that movie. And you can see it on Censor. Uh, excuse me. You can see it on Hulu right now. Uh, this week, games. A lot of people think it's a game, uh, but the idea of uh, playing some kind of a diabolical game is pretty. Fuck around and find out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Games are pretty standard horror fare. You know, go all the way back to things like uh, House on Haunted Hill from 1959 and all the way up through like more modern stuff like the Saw franchise and things like that. So this week we have two game movies. And if you had told me when we started this podcast that 
Ouija, Origin of Evil from 2016 <laughs> would be one of my like new favorite discoveries, I would have been surprised because I had never seen it uh, because it sounds very bad to me on paper. This is a, a PG-13 Blumhouse production involving Michael Bay. Uh, mm. it's, it's on HBO Max right now. Uh, it's about a Ouija board. So right away, like every strike <laughs> is against this movie in my mind. That's why I never saw the original and I never saw uh, this, which is a prequel to the original. But, you know, halfway through this movie, I was like, damn, this is really good. Like, who is behind this? I hadn't looked at anything because I wanted to go in, you know, totally unbiased. This is written and directed by one Mike Flanagan, who people now yes. know as the director of Doctor Sleep, Gerald's Game. Um, he is behind the successful Netflix series, um, The Haunting of Hill House, and the new series Midnight Mass. He's like kind of a horror superstar of film and television and he loves now. Games. So, uh, yeah, so he wrote and directed this before everybody loved Mike Flanagan. And I'm a big fan of this movie. I was so surprised by how much I loved this movie. This is about Alice Zander, who is a widowed single mother of two girls, Lena and Doris. Uh, this takes place in 1967. And Alice runs a fortune-telling business out of their house where she does these uh, seances. And people can come in and communicate with their dead loved ones, which um, is a scam. Kind of reminded me of The Last Exorcism, which we talked about back on our Faith episode a little bit. Mm -hmm. So she's running this whole fortune-telling seance scam, and the way she justifies it to herself and her daughters is that uh, she is just giving closure to people who need it, and they come in, and she does the whole routine where she tells them that their dead loved one is in a better place, and they're peaceful, and they love you and they forgive you and everybody walks away happy like everybody wins so she justifies it that way what's a couple bucks for everyone to feel better about their dead loved one and I, I think the subtext there for me is that she wishes she had that closure with her dead husband and, and the father of Lena and Doris so that's kind of the, the setup what happens of course is that through sheer happenstance, uh, one of her daughters ends up at a party where people are playing the Ouija board, the like the store-bought board game Ouija, and uh, Alice decides that she should incorporate the Ouija board into her little act and sets that all up so she can you know reach a new level and a little new option for customers if they want to do the Ouija game, and she figures out how to scam that. Of course, uh, that goes, uh, as you can imagine, not well. Uh, there are three rules. I didn't really know there are rules to the Ouija board, but the three rules mm -hmm. are don't play alone, don't play in a cemetery, seems uh, reasonable, and always, <laughs> always say goodbye. Uh, those rules get violated almost immediately, and the horror begins. I am so psyched about this movie. I w again, I was just so surprised, and I love seeing something that I thought was going to be crap and being like, damn, this is really good. Kevin, had you seen this before? Oh, yeah. I I'd seen this at least uh, two times before. Oh, okay, you knew. you knew about Origin of Evil. Well, I love Mike Flanagan, and I love I love that you love this movie trend. It it makes me like genuinely happy that you like this movie because me you too. shouldn't. In fact, nobody should like no horror fan should like this movie. It is a kitchen sink of cliches of older movies of everything you've already seen, 
But Mike Flanagan has a, a style about his filmmaking that I love. Yeah. And what it is, is if you've seen, like, Jailed Game, Trent, you and I have argued about Jailed Game. For hate sure. It. Yeah, hate it. Yep, you did. But he like has it. a way... He has a way of bringing about the characters that makes you care about every single second of the movie. So even if part of it is like, you know, very deliberately paced, you still like the movie because when he delivers his endings, they're impactful. And you can see that in Haunting of Hill House, in Haunting of Bly Manor, in his new one, Midnight Mass. But in this one... Like, literally, this movie is bullshit. It's so many cliches thrown together that should not work, but they all do. And I I love it. I think his use of Lulu Wilson, who we've talked about in Becky, uh, I mean, a, a total, like, child actress that is, has blossomed into a screen queen. His use of her, his use of... Uh, Elizabeth Reeser as mom, as Alice that you mentioned, Trent, that was like the fake, you know, oh, we're just going to be, I'm a fake medium. But don't worry, it skips a generation. Uh, there's so many cliches in here. Uh, you have Henry Thomas as the father. Elliot from E.T. Yeah. is in this yeah. movie. <laughs> that's him? Yeah, Shut that's the yes, fuck up. that's oh, Elliot yeah. from E.T. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hundred <laughs> percent. Oh my god! I never realized that was the same guy. Oh my fucking god! Sorry, I need a second. I need a second. Well, you got a few. You got a. You got a few. I'll get. I'll give you like one more minute of commentary before I, I pass it to you, Cat. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, you have Elliot from. E- but 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 like the cliche like father figure like, as in, Catholic or or Christian father figure. Uh, I love that it's him. Um, it's it's none of this should work if you if you broke this movie down on paper. Sucks. It's, it's it sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's a a really it's a wicked. Let me get main here because I'm coming back. It's a wicked fun movie to watch, guys. It is. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I had never seen this one. Big shocker, but honestly, it definitely was kind of scary to me. Yeah, I um, it was nice to have a movie that kind of showed spooky demon ghost shit instead of like the fucked up stuff we usually watch. That's just trying to like make you be like, wow, that's fucked up. So it was <laughs> nice to have little ghosties uh, floating around. I'm not saying it was like a terrifying, you know, movie, but it definitely had its moments. Mostly little little jump scares. Um, Throughout, like the the blanket, you know, classic black blanket being yanked off of off of a sleeping babe. Yeah, um, Doris, Doris, stop it! Oh, stop it! I know it's you. You're joking around. Um, also, the uh, any of like the mirror moments were really scary. Um, like just ghost demons popping out and being those black smoke things. But the scariest part to me was whenever that little girl's face. Got all funky, like when her mouth oh, elongated. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. that was like right off the bat. I'm like, nope, nope, don't like that. Don't like that at all. Huge gaping mouth. No, thank you. The eyes and the shaking head. No, thank you. Um, the worst part though was that one scene when she was like in the basement, trying to you know 
crack some skulls and that weird smile like came across her face for like a split second oh my god that one i've i've been alone in my house all night and it gets dark pretty early now and i will say i did have a little spooky moment in here and i had to turn most of my lights on um i liked uh i liked the cast a lot because i love haunting of hill house so that was super nice that all my favorite people kind of popped up um little girl obviously super good at playing a possessed little lady um honestly i think my favorite part was the ending it ended on that pretty sad but also like interesting note kind of made you wonder if it really was the end or not and obviously it wasn't because i found out this was a prequel uh so we do find out what happens in the first film which maybe i will watch was it directed by the same dude no it's terrible yeah okay totally will not watch that one not gonna watch that one but um yeah i liked it i would watch it again for sure um i saw the original ouija in the theater um with connie and i'm i'm sorry dave i'm sorry (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I absolutely hate it. She was scared of it. I, uh, it was me, Caitlin, and Connie, and we saw it in the theater, and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And I was like, no way am I watching any Ouija movies ever again. And I'm like you, Trent. I actually think that the idea of a Ouija game movie has potential. But, um, and this might be the first time ever that a prequel just completely blows the entire rest of the you know the catalog out of the water but i i love this movie it's definitely best the first time uh when i went back and watched it knowing everything that was going to happen and where it was kind of going it was it was less fun than the first time i i was jealous of you guys who had were virgins to this movie um and just saw it for the first time but um yeah, I, I love uh, I love the film quality. I love the setting uh, in the seventies or the sixties. Sixty-seven, yeah, a little bit of both. Nineteen sixty-seven. Yeah. Um, but it also has uh, like qualities too. I don't know if it was filmed on actual film. I have a feeling it probably probably was just stylized from like mm-hmm. digital. But You're right. it, it had like artifacts, 100%. like film has on it, like in the corner of the screen, like little like circles popping up if you guys know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah that was th- that was done post-production yeah I, I i like that like other than those things which i thought were really subtle like all of this uh was was fairly subtle especially for like Bloomhouse. so i appreciate it it almost reminded me of like a little bit of the innkeepers in tone you know um and like a lot of like ghost it reminded me of like ghost movies um just I don't I don't know why, but probably could just because of like the basement and all that and the furnace and um, and in a way it kind of was, but um, yeah I I love this movie a lot. Um, yeah, I think it's the only Conjuring movie that I can stomach. Seriously? Oh, it's not it's not a Conjuring movie. It's oh, sorry, Ouija. I was thinking of a basement. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that Bloomhouse. No, but it's like it's like the best Conjuring movie. It's way better to me. It's way <laughs> yeah. better than the Conjuring movies. Yes, yes, I would agree, 100%. It's, it's trying to do the same thing. Dave, you mentioned like the look of it, and I, I think that's what I, one of the things I loved about it. The, the look of it is throwback somehow, and, and combined with the intro, I love the intro of this movie. It's so simple and throwback. It just, 
it just starts with the front of the house and then the title card. Boom. Ouija, Origin of Evil. And the font, like, it just looks like something you might have seen on TV in the 80s or something like that. It has that almost was yeah. this like a TV special or something. And then it just goes in to pay tribute. Kevin, you you mentioned like it's it's everything you've seen before. It's this and that. But to me, it was just like all very smart homage to all those things. It was Exorcist. Yeah. It was Amityville. It was Poltergeist. Like, you name it, it's in this movie. Yeah, 100%. Like, uh, and, and this is the least... I'm a huge Mike Flanagan fan, but this is the least Mike Flanagan movie of or, or series of all of Mike Flanagan's productions. So, like, go into this, like you said, Trent, like, it, it's, it's kitchen sink. You should not like it. But, like, literally in one movie, you get, like... Uh, possession, Polish diaries, Nazis. Polish, you get the Polish diaries. <laughs> yeah, like like dead parents, school bullies, fake psychics, like all the Ouija cliches, like all the rules you should not break. You get everything, and when the movie's done, you don't realize that you just got force fed all of those horror cliches. Mm -hmm. Because what Mike Flanagan does best is he builds characters that you care about, and at the end of the movie. However, he delivers the finale, you realize you actually cared about those characters. Mike Flanagan is as close to Stephen King as I can think of in terms of what King does with his characters in a book to what Flanagan does with his characters in a movie. I can't believe how many movies he's made about games. Like when you were listing off all his movies, like a lot of those could have been in this week's episode. Like, like what? Gerald's game. Gerald's game. Oh, uh, well, well, so <laughs> that I, so I have I literally I have a very very true and dear to my heart story about Gerald's game. Okay. When I read Gerald's game, I was probably eleven or twelve years old, and I thought to myself, nobody could ever make a movie about this book. It's it's such a purely from the protagonist's perspective. When Mike Flanagan was a kid, he read Gerald's Game, and he carried that book around with him and said, no one could make a movie about this book, but I'm going to one day. And he did. And Trent, you and I argue about this, but I fucking love what Flanagan did with Gerald's Game. I'm going to check it out again. I, I think that he was right, and you were right. It could never be made into a movie. It, it shouldn't have been made into yeah. a movie. I, I, I teed that up for you. I apologize. Uh, but, but back to this, the good movie. Um, <laughs> I, I thought this trod some pretty well-worn ground that, w that we've talked about. The whole thing, but the, the unacceptance of death the, or the inability to accept death, we've talked about that so many times in movies like Pet Cemetery. There's, there's always this idea that when people can't accept the natural order of things, they can't accept death, uh, it always leads them into these dark areas. It leads them into the occult and the dark arts and this gobbledygook where they always kind of get bogged down. And it's interesting to me how many of these horror movies, these quote-unquote evil movies, things that are, you know, on, on one level that are, are seen as very subversive and, and, and very anti-normal, you know, anti-family um, and things like that. But a lot of these movies, when you get right down to it, they're, they're affirming tenets of faith, whatever faith it is. They're sort of affirming these tenets of 
um, of, of, of belief in, in, in a higher order and a faith that when you start screwing around, that's when you get in trouble. I was also very surprised by the ending and the choices they made. I, th- I thought that it was pretty uh, jarring. And usually the family like prevails and they stick together and all that stuff. <laughs> and this, it yeah. just goes like haywire. Yeah. Did you guys see the, um, did you see the after the post credit scene? No. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. What happened? <laughs> Lynn Shay, baby. I'll, I'll go back. I'll go back. Spoilers. No. Well, that's when I knew I was like, Oh, after the credits, was this a, a prequel? Yeah. Cause I just like let it play. And then I saw that. I was like, Oh, this is a prequel. This makes sense. Mm, so it kind of sets up, you know, not like sets up, but it's it uses nice. like the actress from the first movie to. Well, it's nice of yeah, them to do that because it was such a poor movie. It to even <laughs> after the fact give it like a shout out is nice. Yeah, that was that was how they brought it around. My understanding was that Flanagan didn't want to do a straight sequel, and so that was kind of like I thought it was very clever how they brought it around just enough to justify the title. And just, just he just made his own movie, but then you have to sit through all of the credits. When we say post credits, we mean like a long, minutes long post, uh, credit scene, and then four, at the very four, end, there's four a little or five like, minutes. Yeah. yeah, it's just like kind of a little like not just to give it enough so that it does make sense as a sequel prequel. He did not want to do this, but when they said you can like do whatever you want, he was like, "All right, well, I'm going to go back and I'm going to make this like." you know, a 1960s movie. And he was the one that made the decision to tie in the 2014 characters. So when we say it's a prequel, it it literally has nothing to do with the 2014 release other than he made some very, very clever tie-ins to characters from the 2014 Ouija. Uh, And he wrote this with Jeff Howard, who is a frequent co-writer with him who has, has worked on Gerald's Game, Oculus, uh, Before I Wake, which I will defend. I like that movie. Uh, Midnight Mass, which is out on Netflix now, which is great in both of the Haunting series. Uh, but he, Flanagan, had complete control over this one. Um, and I think it's interesting, like when you have a director like Flanagan that can, that can develop characters like he does, that you give him control, he does something like this, and he makes it better. Like this, this I would argue, this is a, a rare movie where the sequel is far better than the original. Well, yeah, and, and like Dave said, it, it you could take it a step further and say that it's like the best prequel ever. I, don't, I can't think of like a prequel off right. the top of my head that's any good. Like there was a Leatherface prequel or something that was just <laughs> god-awful. Let's not talk about that. Did anyone watch Prometheus? That was a prequel, I l- right? I well, love I like Prometheus. Yeah. You're putting that again. Get out of here. I, fell I love it. That's hard. That's the thing. I wouldn't say that was better, but some people liked it. Kat, did you notice all? Did you notice the uh, Exorcist shot when Father Tom walks up to the house and they they have the shot of him standing in front of the house with a briefcase? It's did like I the ever. exact shot from the Exorcist. It's the, as soon as I saw that little. You know, that little caller. I was like, exorcist. <laughs> and he's like, I've called the archdiocese. I've, I've yeah. asked them about doing an exorcism. Wait. It's just too little too late there, little bud. Sorry what about it. What was his name? Father what? I thought it was Father Tom, yeah. Father exorcist Tom. Tom. Yeah, just E.T. Tom. 
E yeah. fucking T. Exorcist Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Wild. Um, I and then yeah, obviously the poltergeist situation, the TV, just like the static all the time. The youngest daughter, she yeah. becomes the con the conduit from the spirit. She world. was a creepy little bitch. She, she did a great job. Oh yeah. my Lulu, God. It's Lulu Wilson from Becky. Yeah, well, I she, I thought she was even even better in this than she was in Becky. She's amazing she's in this. Yeah. Yeah. She's I mean, what is she like? Eight years old, ten years old? Great performance. Imagine walking into a girl's house that you want to bang. And then her tiny, cutie little sister is like, you know what it feels like to be strangled to death? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Poor Mikey. Like, it's we haven't talked about right Mikey. Down. Like, poor yeah. Mikey. God. He found out. He found out what it was like. Yeah, he fucked around <laughs> and found out. That was oh, some no. great dialogue. <laughs> I, I also thought it was very scary uh, when they looked through the center of the, the Ouija. What's the thing yes. called? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Pennant or something? Uh, it's What's the. Um, well, whatever Blanchet, it's called, the thing you hold in your hands. It's called a clanchet or something like that. Yeah, planchet. they hold it up. Planchet, planchet, yeah, planchet, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, they would yeah. look yeah. through the, the 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 eye of it. I, like I didn't even know that was like a thing until I saw this. I movie. didn't either. No, there, there, there. This movie is so cliche, but it's like. And Dave, you always talk about how you hate like the ghost movies or the paranormal movies, and you're done with them. This movie. Is that it? Walks but the it line. had it had moments that scared the shit out of me, and I've seen it two or three times, so I have to give it props for that. Yeah, I get mad when I'm not scared. Like if a movie's scary all the way through, and I'm like psyched, and I'm like really scared, and then some fucking cartoon comes out of a cloud, I'm just like, oh, I'm not scared anymore, and I'm pissed. And then nothing mm-hmm. after that in the movie will will get me back but this movie never crossed the line it almost yeah. did with the long mouth girl like why the long face but um she, but i i actually like that it was just enough to not i thought like that i thought the, the shaky head i thought the shaky head and the elongated face and the you know digitized eyes would break you dave and be like it reminded okay, me of saint mod a little bit those effects all right you know yeah, how the, the, that's the, the thing. Faces, that's like, the thing for me. It. Yeah, like it, it. It can be stupid and unrealistic. I mean, we're talking about horror movies. They're all stupid and unrealistic. But th- this movie, to me, is a good example of how to do that correctly because it's so effective to me because it creates its own world where those things would make sense to happen, and it, it, it plays within its own rules. That That's my test. Like I don't care if you do a bunch of stupid, unrealistic stuff. As long as it makes sense within the world that you create and that you present, as long as you're not violating like your own rules, then that's totally fine. I don't, I don't care what you do. It, you know, it's all dumb. But I thought that everything this movie did operated within its own logic. It, you know? So that's why, to me, it worked. It built its own kitchen sink and threw everything into it. <laughs> How about that slingshot scene where the kid oh, slingshots yeah. himself? Oh, oh yep. But that's, that's, that. They that. didn't even have to show us. They just had to make the noise, the squelching of the eyeball, and you knew exactly what happened. The pull away at the last second before yeah. you hear the kid scream. I was like about to cover my eyes. Yeah, that, that was almost like a fire starter vibe. 
where where she's doing yes. like Doris doing like telekinesis or something. Yep. Or Carrie. Yeah. yeah well, Carrie. that was yeah, yeah. That was the other thing too, because for a little while you were kind of wondering. You know, they they kind of set up like, is this their dad? Like, who is this spirit that is right. inhabited Doris? And so for a little while, you're like, well, he helped them find the money, and then he slingshotted the bully's eye. So like, maybe he's maybe he's cool, right? But you soon find out he's not. Also, not cool the, at all. the twist that like he they were answering the questions correctly because they've been there all along. Yes. Oh I, I my like god, that, you know I mean? like, so that was. Said, she was pregnant in the shower. They were there yep. too. Like that was really that, creepy. Yeah, that was the moment when I turned all my lights on. I'm like, and gonna not see any darkness in my apartment for the rest of the night. There are so many good uh, creepy scenes in this. Uh, like what you just mentioned, Dave. Like when she real. But one of mine is when the- Doris realizes it's not Daddy. Mm. Like. She keeps going back to the board like, Daddy, is it in my head hurts? Daddy, my head hurts. That well, that one gets me every single time. Yeah, oh, that, that was good. That reminds me like another influence, the changeling. Whenever you have someone mm. who's possessed and they're writing, you know, that's a classic thing. Like somebody's possessed and they're like scribbling like a mad person on the paper. Oh my God, what are they what are they writing? You know, you have little Doris doing that and this. You have to take it to are, the Are they writing in Polish? Yeah, right. Of course they are. World War II. Oh, my God. What's going on? I loved when Father Tom went to battle against the Ouija board, and he was outsmarting the Ouija board. That was so good. The, the way they tied Be- his- best Best scene in the movie. Best yeah. scene in the movie is when Tom brings uh, Alice and Lena upstairs to be like, here's how I just tricked the here's Ouija board. Here's how I board. tricked and the Ouija board. The, the, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, that, 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 to me, is my favorite scene. Yeah, that's good. Good stuff. Uh, until you realize that they can hear them talking the whole time, and so they've fucked themselves. So they just heard that. And everything yeah. is terrible. In the walls. Yeah, speaking of uh, turning the lights on, too, that was another... Uh, I thought that was very Amityville, how like there are many scenes in this movie where you wonder, like, why don't they have any lights in the whole entire house? Why the house is entirely dark? Did they get the electricity shut off? What's uh, going it's, on? It's, nine, but it's 1967. But they do that They do that in Amityville, the original Amityville horror. They do the same thing. The, light, the, the house is always like so dark the whole time. It lends to it. And then I read later on that... Um, th- that Flanagan was trying to do a thing with the DP where they, they didn't do any effect that they couldn't create realistically on set. And so I think that was probably oh. part of that. Okay. They also do the thing that um, they destroy the evil in the fire and then it just comes back perfectly fine. Like, I think that's like a Chucky move as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think th- what you were talking about, Trent, like the style of the movie, that's one of the things that I would call bullshit on for Flanagan, is like if you wanted to shoot it like it was in the 60s or the 70s, um, don't do it digital. Well, uh, yeah, I, I I don't think it was like that they weren't going to use any any you know modern effects at all, but just I think that the, the, the settings, like the lighting and stuff like that, I think was all pretty natural. Yeah, it was it was all stuff from that time. So like every right. prop you see was from that time. Like for right, sure. it, right, it was all consistent with 1967. Also, the lead uh, lady there that was the mom, um, I know her from Mad Men. And from what? I know her from Mad Men. 
So oh, it was yes. cool. Uh, you know, it's another another cinematic thing where they're exact to the era and very very loyal to you know everything being you know the continuity of everything being from the year that you know they're they're talking about. Elizabeth Reeser, Mommy of the Week, for my money. I don't know if we mm-hmm. have. Oh wow! Any, I don't think we have any competition. No. Uh, well. No. No. We'll get to that. We'll t- we'll talk about it later. Um, I one of the things that I like the most about Mike Flanagan is he's one of these directors that has a stable of actors that he works with. So if you watch a lot of his stuff, he will bring he brings in the same actors and actresses to act in different roles. And I love that. So like you watch like Elizabeth Reeser that you're talking about, Dave, like Haunting of Hill House, Kate Siegel, who is actually Flanagan's wife, uh, all of his stuff. She is in Hush and co-wrote Hush with him. Uh, Henry Thomas is in Haunting of Hill House in Blind right. Manor. He's yeah, in he's Gerald's been giving the, He's like the John Travolta to this guy. He's like he's just yeah, brought back his he, whole career. Yeah, Flanagan basically brings around like the same crew. But I love that about him because he also brings about like the same cinematographer. He brings around the same uh, 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 music people. So the Newton brothers did all the music for this, and they've done. They've done a ton of genre stuff, but all of Flanagan stuff. Michael Fuminiari has done cinematography. He's done all of Flanagan stuff. So Flanagan, someone who has come up, is self-made, and has brought the whole, like a stable of people with him up through the entire time, and he continues to, to work with them on his projects. It's I, I don't know. I, I respect that. I love it, it. It makes sense because at the point that I stopped the movie to see who directed it, I was, I swear, I was thinking, man, this kind of reminds me of Hush, even though it's nothing like Hush whatsoever. I just, like, I got the vibe, like, man, this is almost, this is like kind of a, a low budget, like, throwback thing that kind of reminds me of something like Hush. It's so good. And then I was like, oh, no wonder. Is it Ouija? Ouija. Ouija. It's Ouija, you guys, but what's are you, you guys Ouija or Ouija? It's Ouija, but when you is have it? said, after you say Ouija like 10 times, you're like, wait a minute, I don't think that's right. Is it Ouija? Is it Ouija, Ouija. or Ouija? I thought yeah. it was Ouija. Ouija. No, it's Ouija board. Ouija. It's a Ouija. Ouija. Ouija board. Ouija. Squeegee no. board. It's not Ouija. It's Ouija. It's a, Ouija it's a miracle board. that I even found this movie to, to stream because I was, uh, I started out with a Q. <laughs> Ouija. I think Squeegee board. Cat, you're laughing too hard at me. You're not laughing with sorry. me. You are laughing at me, man. It's like, sorry, Dave couldn't watch the movie this week because he couldn't spell it right. <laughs> <laughs> Drug dealer benzes with gold diggers in them. And elevator condos on everything I love. This ain't a wave or a phase, cause all that shit fades. This lifestyle's forever when you made. They tweet about the length I made them wait. What the fuck you expect when a nigga got a cape and he's great? Ovens full of cakes that he bakes. Still spreading paste. The love just accentuates the hate. This is for my bodybuilding clients moving weight. Just add water, stir it like a shake. Play amongst the stars like the roof in the rain. Eight miles an hour. Just my best to get you up. Let's see. Sorry, guys. 
I, I thought we were. Uh, I thought this week we were uh, gonna watch the game. <laughs> so the, the first inning, uh, they uh, it wasn't really scary at all. Uh, kill count. I, hate you uh, so much. I don't know. Kill count zero. That fourth down was scary. All right, we have C R S twenty five Van Orton nothing. This week we're talking about the game. David Fincher, I would argue, David Fincher's best movie. Wow. Uh, wow. I like this better than everything else. It's Zodiac? not as stylized Zodiac. as Seven. Yeah. Thank you, Trent. Um, it's not as uh, long as Zodiac. I just think it's his best. I, I really like it. Um, it's about Nicholas Van Orton. He's... Um, Kind of like a um, Scrooge type character. This reminded me a lot of a Christmas Carol. Yes, um, totally. There's a totally. lot of like. Yep. Thank you. Um, you need to. He gets a gift from his his brother Conrad, who's played by Sean Penn, um, and it's this mysterious gift uh, gift certificate to CRS. Um, and so he goes to this place, and they offer this really vague recreational service. Uh, that they almost sell like a vacation, and the place very much looks like a like a travel agency where you'd go to plan your family's vacation or something. But it's shrouded in mystery. And when he gets there to redeem his gift certificate, uh, he my my one of my favorite parts of it um, is the test that he has to go through. He has to go through a physical test and a a mental test. Um, that they're both of they're very random. Um, like questions like, do you feel guilty when you masturbate? And would you kill a small animal? And um, these weird images that are flashed in front of him, almost like a clockwork orange. Uh, and he spends all day doing these tests, uh, only to receive a phone call that he's been uh, rejected. Um, and then from there, you, it, he never quite knows when the game is starting uh, for a while. And then all of a sudden... It goes super gangbusters. I think this is a like cinematic. This is like a film, like a a movie, big budget, um, tons of writers, and just done the right way. Um, I I love this movie. It's a thriller. There's only a kill count of like one, um, <laughs> but that's that's part of the whole thing. Um, but uh, it's it's a great it's a great like mind fuck movie. Um, what did you guys think? I absolutely loved this movie. I was so excited when this movie ended. I saw this only the one time, like 20 years ago, shortly after it was out on DVD. And I, the only thing I remembered, I remembered the, like, the basic idea, and I remembered sort of the end. And my memory was that it was a good thriller with a bullshit ending. And it totally changed my mind. Watching it now, I would call this a fantastic thriller with a great ending. I loved everything about this movie. You mentioned A Christmas Carol. This to me, this movie is like Wall Street meets Fight Club, meets Jacob's Ladder, meets It's a Wonderful Life. It, it could have been a Christmas movie. I would like to see a Christmas version of this, just as <laughs> just as much as uh, Ouija or Origin of Evil kind of like homages all these other movies. I thought that the game does a similar thing, where all, all of these other classic movies are kind of in there. Um, even yeah, it, like it, it, it literally could have happened at Christmas time and made it that much better. 
Yeah, and and I don't think it's aged a day. This movie could have just like been made yesterday. This is on Netflix right now, so I would highly recommend it, especially if you haven't seen the game in a long time like me, I would dial this up, and I would be surprised if your estimation doesn't rise. This is just a, a great, a fun time, and it's, uh, it's like two hours and ten minutes, and it flies by. You know, we talk about the lengths of movies and, and whether the longer ones justify their running time, and how it, you know, I always appreciate a nice, tight, shorter running time. I, I appreciate economy and you know, getting things done in, in a timely fashion, but this movie did not drag for one second. Once it's off, man, it's off. I loved the whole intro. I was jealous of Nick Van Orton. I was like, man, this guy lives in splendor. He wakes up in a mansion every day and he walks downstairs and his uh, his servant has like a hot breakfast ready and he walks outside to his sleek black BMW pulled right up to the front door no garage right outside the fountain he gets in his car he goes to his office and he sits there while his assistant comes in and tells him all the things that are going on and he just says like uh cancel uh no uh reschedule tomorrow uh cancel no Tell him no. That that's how I would really like to live my life, mm-hmm. just to live in splendor and to tell my assistant to cancel things and tell people no, uh, and then like go to lunch. Um, I I loved his little private birthday celebration because this takes place on his birthday, and uh, for his birthday, he just goes home and gets the meal out of the oven that his uh, his servant has put in the oven for him and it's like under a, a dish you know like a rich person's like platter with with a cover on the dish and he's got a cheeseburger and some fries and one cupcake with a candle in it and uh, and a bottle of champagne and he takes that all on a tray into his living room and he sits down he puts on some cable tv and says well one more year you know uh muscle tough uh you know th- that's really Really how I want to live. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved young Sean Penn right at the gate. It's been a while since we've seen young Sean Penn. Great job. I loved the line when, when – because uh, Nicholas hasn't seen his brother Conrad, who is – Sean Penn is Conrad in a while. And he says something like, uh, haven't seen you since uh, family week at rehab. Um, I loved that whole interplay between the two of them. Um, just a, a great, great movie. And, and the whole – the tagline when, when – He's first when Nicholas is first kind of getting initiated into the um, the agency it, when he's trying to figure out what it is exactly they do. The quote is, we provide whatever is lacking. And that theme kind of carries through the movie. Of course, the, the underlying thing is that uh, his birthday, it's his 48th birthday, and that is the day that his father jumped off the roof of the mansion and uh, to his own death. And that kind of like sets uh, I, I, up I am curious the beginning of his I, game. I, I, and that's sort of like part of what the movie kind of comes back to. I just, I, I had such a great time watching this movie. Uh, total thrill ride. Absolutely loved it. Uh, I'm curious about that. Like, did they mean that he, that it was the anniversary of his father's death or simply that it was his birthday? No, it was that his father died when was he was same 48. Age. Same age. Yeah. Yeah. He and he committed. Age exactly. Thank you. And he Thank committed you. suicide on his son's birthday. Oh, on his I don't, 48th birthday. I don't, I don't think so. I think it's it wasn't, just no, the it anniversary. It was the same age. Yeah. 
he was just 48. He His father was 48 when he jumped and killed himself, and that's the same age that Nicholas is turning 48 today. Oh, I thought he also did it on his son's birthday, and I was like, that's cold. Yeah, I, I it, it kind of, it, it gave me that vibe too, but I, I don't think that was the, the story. I, I'm going to uh, disagree with you on one thing, Trent. I love, I love this movie. Holy shit. Even all these years later watching this movie and having it still keep me like on my toes is a testament to Fincher, to Douglas, uh, definitely to Sean Penn, who, well, not to Sean Penn. He, he plays his part great. But uh, Deborah Carr Unger, who plays Christine, unbelievable performance, as good as Douglas's. But you said this movie does not age a day. I, will I don't dis- think so. I will disagree. This came out in 1997 at a time when another movie called Enemy of the State came out. And this movie came out when all of us had no idea what technology would do to us. We had no clue. Like right now, the four of us are looking at each other on iPads or iPhones. We're recording on laptops. Like, we had no clue what technology would do. And what the game did is it should have made us all super paranoid about what technology could do. Because the game just showed you over and over again in its two-hour and eight-minute running time, like, hey, by the way, this can happen. And all of us were like, this can't happen. But you also had movies like Enemy of the State where we were like, holy shit, you're showing us technology that exists and this totally could happen. So where are you where are you disagreeing with me? I'm still waiting for. Well, you said it hasn't aged. Yeah. But it has because what these movies should have shown us is that we should have been way more paranoid about this technology than we were in 1997. And now in 2021, we're like, holy shit, we didn't mm. know that this technology could do these things. And we really probably should have been a little more hesitant about about, about the implementation of this technology. I mean, I think that it is, it is showing us exactly that though, isn't it? Like, isn't the technology really bad in this? No, I mean, like like CRS, for instance, like how, how do they have a whole office set up? And then the next time he shows up, he it's gone. I guess, I mean, like it doesn't seem dated when when you watch it. What I mean by it hasn't aged, like, you know, sometimes you watch something that's 20 years old. It's like, ah, oh, man, this is dated. What is this from the 90s? You know, like like seven, which I, I don't I'm not a fan of seven. Seven to me yeah, seems know. like yeah, seven yeah, we, yeah, says <laughs> Seven says 1995 all over it, whereas I felt like this one didn't scream 1997 to me. Like, it didn't seem dated. Yeah, like, like the production was not dated. Like, Yeah. No, yeah. that's a good point. That, that, that's a great point. Yes. <clears throat> that being said, this is one of my favorite movies that we've watched on the entire show. I literally loved watching this. Because I think that Michael Douglas and that uh, Deborah Kara Unger's performances are some of the best acting that we've seen. This is up there with Killing of a Sacred Deer for me. <laughs> wow. I, I no. Be, That's be, another just, game. That's kind of a game movie. That could have been it this is. week. It is, but just trash because, movie is what it is. But just because of the lead actors' performances 
and their development. It's amazing. And I and David Fincher himself has said that he hates the third act of this film, but I love it. Like I think yeah, this movie, no pun intended, this movie lands its ending perfectly. Oh. oh, and when and when it does land though, real quick, anyone see Spike Jones? He was the EMT. Yeah, yeah, he ju- he yeah, he jumps in there. A little cameo. Hey guys. How you doing? Hello, cat. Good, good. Cool. What, what's going cool. on? Um, this movie was fine. Fine. Ooh. I thought you would love this. It was okay. Yeah, me too. I don't know. I I thought maybe we'd all be on the same page, but um it appears that you guys really 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 like this movie. I'd never seen it before, so I was oh. ready to see Daddy Douglas be a rich asshole in uh, David Fincherland, and he was. He delivered that very well. Um, did not disappoint in that aspect. It just seemed a bit eh to me. I was just like, wow, eh. I'm surprised. You know? Wow, yeah. damn, interesting. Um, the thriller aspect was definitely there. The movie was pretty tense and suspenseful. But also at the same time, I was never really very enthralled in this movie. Hmm. It was simultaneously stressful and boring to me somehow. Wow. Like I was stressed about the situations. Wow. My hot God, takes. I got to get my oven Sorry. mitts for this take. <laughs> yeah. Let me let me get a pen here. I need to write this down. I'm not I'm not saying it was like predictable, but at a certain point you kind of just had to assume that everything was part of the game, and after that you were kind of just waiting for some kind of reveal to happen, which did happen. It happened, but I was just kind of like, yeah, I've been waiting for this for like an hour and a half. Um Wow. I I didn't hate it. I definitely didn't hate the movie. I guess I, I was just expecting more from like this classic, you know, David Fincher, Michael Douglas, blah, 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 blah. Um, my favorite parts were probably the black light house scene. Um, not only for the aesthetics of the set. I was super into that, but also the use of Jefferson airplane. Into that. Very into that. Very down. My only um, problem with it. That was the, I uh, thought that was a great makeover. See, yeah, Dave gets it. Um, I'd say the scariest part was obviously the weird poltergeist clown doll, and yes. uh, also the idea of Sean Penn being related to you in any way was also very terrifying for me personally. Um, and also the ending, like I thought, as Dave said, very Scrooge McDuck. Um, sorry, Scrooge in a Christmas Carol. Um, very, um, you know, guy coming around, realizing this. This. <laughs> sorry, um, you know, guy coming around. He's like, you know what is important? That's right, my family. That's so true. And also, not caring about not being an asshole to servers all the time. Blah blah blah. I don't know. It was just very like I. This was a film. This was a movie. It was fine. I'd, I'd probably watch it again if I had another two and a half hours to fucking waste. Wow. wow. Hot take. I, it's, Drop the pen. I, yeah, Damn. I do. That is a hot take. Actually, Connie and I were, were commenting that we thought that the leading lady uh, looked a little bit like you. Thank you. That's very nice. 
Just well, but you didn't like it, so I mean. Well, yeah, take that. Back. So that's not really a compliment. <laughs> I didn't dislike her. She was cool. She was a. She was, you know, doing her thing. I don't know. That's. I'm all. so fucking mad right now. <laughs> 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 I I I can't even speak. No, I can kind of see. I can kind of see where you're coming from. Like we saw it back when. You know, we hadn't had the rug pulled out from under us a billion times uh, like you have now in movies. So, like, maybe you watch something like this when you, you know, see it now and just are waiting for that, like you said, the the reveal. And back, I, I think in 97, when this came out, it wasn't like you were always expecting, you know, I mean, something... You are expecting it. It's called, it's the game. That's not a reveal that it's a then game. What? You know it's a game. You know everything that's happening is part of the game. That's not a reveal. <sighs> yeah, I then guess. Then why, but I just, then why was it good? I don't know. Because it, it goes too far. But, but okay. I, I, Does it though? It's, yeah, it's I good. like the it's, things that they were doing with like, like I, I liked how they get gauged maybe like, if he would be able to get out of the, the taxi cab in the water, his strength, like he had taken the test to see how mm-hmm. strong he was, what he, he could handle. So I liked that the game was like customized to each person so that they would, you know, be but able would, to handle it. Like they had like basically cat, like a cat, heart test. Cat, at, at any point, did you start to feel sympathetic or empathetic to michael douglas i don't know i mean i guess a little bit like with his daddy issues like he's like i'm mmf father like when he was talking to the housekeeper i isla or isla um ilsa he's like ilsa isla uh whatever um he was like what uh do you see any part of me and him or him of, do you see any part of him and me like kind of a thing i was like i guess that that's kind of sad Guess yeah, he while, while he's didn't have a eating, great life. While he's eating a little sandwich that she has made for him with a glass of milk. That's the like thing. he's reverted think... back to this like little boy during that scene. But but that's that's the Maybe whole it's... point. Um, that's the whole point I'm trying to make. Mm-hmm. Michael Douglas's character is so unlikable. But did any of you spend the duration of the film actually starting to like him or feeling like should I like him? Michael Douglas no, but... is the master of the sympathetic asshole. Exactly. Mm. Well, that's yeah. I think just thinking like Wall Street. I don't know. Maybe it's just my inherent Falling hate down. for the rich that made me not like Michael Douglas at all during this film. I liked his okay. turtlenecks quite a bit. He likes the he likes a neck. He likes a good neck. You know, nice beige a turtle's neck. Beige turtleneck. So so let so let's flip it to let's flip it to Christine to Deborah Kara Unger who played Christine. Um, thoughts on that character because that is another one like Michael Douglas where you are constantly questioning her all the time. What w- what were your ultimate feelings on that character? So he meets Christine when he's at one of his swank restaurants that he like eats lunch. Very American psycho. Like he goes to, he's a Wall Street guy. He goes out to lunch and dinner yep. or at least lunch every single day. That seems to be mostly his job. He cancels meetings. He reschedules meetings. He goes out to lunch. So Christine is introduced as a, as a waitress, a server at one of these restaurants. And she spills, 
she twice spills things on him. And uh, after the second time where she like douses him with a whole pitcher or a whole plate of something, uh, it, it turns out that she is seems to be somehow involved in the game. So she goes from being an incidental character to somebody that he he the game encourages him to like pursue her for more information and she becomes almost a sidekick for a lot of the movie and almost like a partner helping him trying to figure out the game and then you start questioning her motives and her connection and he starts questioning you know her her connection and the movie sort of plays with her character the whole time you don't know if she is innocent if she's part of it if she's just a bystander or like what her deal is so you're just kind of wondering the whole time I thought she was fine I didn't really like make a lot of character evaluations honestly in this i was just kind of like along for the ride i didn't really seem i don't think anyone seemed like that great or that bad i thought they were just kind of like vehicles for this massive anxiety dream which i can relate to i thought that uh michael douglas and deborah cara unger were the only two characters i thought that sean penn's character as conrad uh as the little brother I thought it was it, it was a throwaway performance. He's only like, in like two scenes. Yeah, anyone could have done that. I thought that it was all Douglas and Unger who did this. Um, and, I mean, James Reborn, who you talked about, Trent, uh, who played Jim from CRS, um, was probably the only third important character. There's literally two characters in this movie that you give a shit about, and it's just Nick Van Orton and Christine. Do you think his brother actually played the game at some point? Or was that just part of the whole ruse? No, I think he did. Yeah, I, I do. I do. I think he did, yeah. That's and that's part it, of what, like, cleaned but then, him. I think but then I believe why, him. Why wasn't the brother pulled into his game? His brother played the game, and it changed his life for the better. Mm. And so yeah. he decided he was going to give this gift to his brother... Did you guys watch? I mean, but how was his game? game But how was his game so different that his brother Michael Douglas Michael doesn't that Michael Douglas wasn't pulled into his brother's game because he played his game in London. Yeah, he he, they were estranged until Mm -hmm. until now. Okay, yeah, it's a stupid movie. This movie just reminded me, like, this is my anxiety dream. I have a dream exactly like this movie all the time where, like, I'm embroiled. Like, everything is going crazy. Sometimes you guys are, are in the dream, other people. There's this like, whole epic, crazy town thing, and, like, nothing makes sense, and you're just running. I'm just running the whole time. People trying to kill me or whatever. And all these crazy things are happening. I'm like, oh, my God. This is, this to me, this is, this is the classic anxiety dream brought to life, and I thought it did that very, very well. I, I could totally relate to that. And then you wake up, and you're like, oh, my God. Oh, God. Thank God. Mm. Yeah. I, I do have to backpedal a little bit because I forgot about Fight Club. But this is, <laughs> this is Dave Finger's Yeah, both of you guys. Best. Yeah, you and Kevin, can you guys stop uh, jizzing everywhere? Oh, my God. We've seen, there's a lot of good movies out there. Huh? I, I'm a big fan of Club. David Fincher. Did, did you like this better than Zodiac, Dave? I did. I would say it goes uh, Fight wow. Club, the game. Then probably Zodiac after that. Interesting. I think, wow. Incorrect. I, I, I have a much different... We're seven. Uh, Is seven not going to pop there, in there anyway? Seven's there. It's up there, but I mean... What, what would your order be, Kat? How would you put those four that we just mentioned? 
I'd probably go seven, Fight Club. What was the other one? Zodiac. Zodiac. And then way down here. <laughs> oh, God. I put the game <laughs> on the floor. The game belongs there. You guys see Gone Girl? Yeah. Loved it. No. Loved it. I, maybe I should watch it again. It was good. I don't think it belongs in the in the top three or four. I thought it was fine. It does. It, was... it does. I disagree. <laughs> uh, I, I would take issue, Kat. You mentioned White Rabbit. That was my only problem with this movie. <laughs> my only problem was White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane. Of course I, it was. I run into this a lot with, with movies because when you're in the movie realm, you're dealing with people who have spent their whole life with a film. Like, they don't necessarily know anything about music. And so... Whenever like they're like, oh man, we need a trippy. We have this whole trippy scene, and all this trippy stuff is going. There's like a black light that's all mysterious. What could we have? What says trippy in music? There's only one song that any of them can think of because they're like film dorks. They don't. They're like, oh, White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane. Oh my god, that's the trippy song. Like, come on, man, you couldn't think of anything else. And here's the thing, though. It's just the fact that I love that song and I love Jefferson Airplane that, like, whenever it's put into a film, like, oh, yeah. But I do understand what you're saying. Like, of all the songs they could have picked, like, they it's picked too that easy. one. Like, I, yeah, it's I too easy. I liked it because, to me, this, like, I'm a prankster. So, to me, this movie was, like, a, a bunch of really awesome pranks. Yeah, like the, yeah, that was a great yeah. prank. Like <laughs> yeah. it made it like immature that they played White Rabbit. <laughs> it's like and the, it's like the blackmail hotel scene. That's um, so that's so funny. That I you love would that too. It's just like, like wow, touche, good job. The it's like every the mob movie montage has to have "Give Me Shelter" by the Stones. Every <laughs> okay. single freaking no, mob. That was like, one. Yeah. It was Goodfellas. What was the other one? What was the other? All one? of them do. All of them have "Give Me Shelter." Every one. Yep. I will say every time I hear it, I do want to do cocaine. So it's understandable. <laughs> Short trip. You're the same way about the Barney theme song as well, though. <laughs> um, there's a bu- there's a bunch of interesting like info dump stuff if you guys want to hear it. Yeah, let's yes. do it. This movie was supposed to be done before seven, but when Brad Pitt became available before or or for seven. They fast track seven and put the game back. So this movie would have been made and come out before seven if Brad Pitt had still not been available. Um, you also have Andrew Kevin Walker, who was the writer of seven that Fincher brought in to do a bunch of rewrites on this movie. And John Brancato and Michael Ferris were the writers of this script, which they actually wrote in 1991 but it was never picked up. Nobody would touch it until Fincher. And Andrew Kevin Walker came on by Fincher to, to, be, to be a script doctor, essentially. And Walker, obviously, I, I talked about, he wrote Seven, he wrote Eight Millimeter, he wrote uh, Legend of Sleepy Hollow, The Wolfman. But he's also credited as a script doctor. And he did some work on, wait for it, Event Horizon. Fight Club mm-hmm. and st- and Stir of Echoes, which I actually love. Kevin Bacon forever. Um, you also have Jodie Foster was a li- uh, originally supposed to be cast as Deborah Unger's part. Then they got a little bit into it because Fincher thought that Jodie Foster, an actress of her caliber, should not be cast as a side act 
a side role. And so she should be cast as like a main role. And so they wanted to cast her as Douglas's daughter. And Michael Douglas was pissed and said, no, cast her as my sister. Um, which ended up being Jodie Foster suing the studio for $55 million. Um, because Douglas rejecting the fact that Foster could possibly be his 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 daughter, uh, he was 29 years older than her. She should have been the his Jodie Foster child. <laughs> oh, Jesus <laughs> Oh. <laughs> um, also, like getting like back to like what we were talking about before, where like Michael Flanagan likes to likes to pull people into his projects, and he has like a, a stable of people. Um, you've got uh, cinematography was done by Harris Savides, who passed away in 2012. He's done all a ton of Fincher cinematography. But he's also done a bunch of Gus Van Zandt. He did Zodiac with Fincher. He did the title sequence seven. He's done some Scorsese, some Ridley Scott. He's done a Woody Allen, a bunch of stuff. But what I found super fascinating was he's done a bunch of music videos and he did Nine Inch Nails Closer. Ooh. He did R.E.M.'s Everybody Hurts, which was directed by Jake Scott, Ridley Scott's son. And I found that interesting because the Everybody Hurts video always reminded me of Walking Tall, which starred Michael Douglas. Uh, he's also Wait, done Falling a, Down. Uh, yeah, Falling Down. Sorry, Falling Down. <laughs> Walking Tall. Like, is isn't that a rock film? Wait, what I. I just wanted to correct you, Kevin. Uh, David I, Fincher, David Fincher, when David Fincher with David Fincher. <laughs> that wasn't David Fincher, actually. David you know, we're, Fincher, we're, David We're talking Fincher, about the, the DP, David. right? Yeah, DF. A, edit all that up. Ew. Um, <laughs> but uh, Savitz has also done music videos for like Tom Waits, Fiona Apple's criminal video, which I think all of us would remember. And he's won like a million MTV awards. Uh, Howard Shore did the music for this movie, which blah, blah, blah. We've talked about him a million times. Uh, and with that, I will stop going off on random facts about the game. I was surprised that this movie didn't make any money. It was kind of a bust. The, the budget... Um, $70 million. Yeah, $70 million and only made like $110 million. That's a bust. What yeah. a wash. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the most first people movie are like Cat. By comparison, uh, Ouija, Origin of Evil... Only cost ten million dollars, and it made eighty million dollars. Why isn't there a a, a third uh, Ouija movie? The movie there made is. eighty million dollars. Why isn't there? It's a, on the a, way, probably. Be, no, because they probably went to Mike Flanagan, and he said, "Yeah, I'm I'm signing a multi million dollar deal." With I Netflix. know, but just get Bye. someone else. It doesn't have to be that name. It could be someone else. You know, we could make our own Ouija movie. I might make. Let's do I it. might make a Ouija three. I know the secret <laughs> to making a Ouija movie. Just all hands it? on. <laughs> Everyone. You just put your hands on. No, I get it. Yeah, game. that was really good. You're full of them tonight, Dave. When I'm I back am. next week, let's let's have a Ouija board there, okay? Yeah, we I, should I have wanted a Ouija to get board one. anyway. Yeah, I thought that when we first started this podcast, I just assumed we would be doing Ouija seances. The only problem is you can't really see a Ouija board on a podcast. That's the only thing. 
Yeah, it'd be a little boring for everyone else, probably. Not as exciting as it normally is. <laughs> <laughs> it is very exciting. <laughs> okay. Do uh, do we want to do a Mad Lib? Yeah, sure. Sure. Let's do it. All right. What what's the order? Who who, who wants to go? It's first? really a big it's really a big expose for our imaginations though, because I, I mean, know we like, really so yeah. bad. uh last week's was the same as the first one. <laughs> Just wieners. I won't say wiener this time. Uh, yeah, don't say wiener. Trent, I need an adjective. Slimy. All right, cat, I need an I need a verb ending in ing. Jumping. Dave, I need a noun. Gargoyle. Trent, I need a plural noun. <laughs> Tires. Tires. <laughs> that's great. Um, that's really that's really actually very oh, is very that good. Is that good? Oh, yeah. that's I good. like the look <laughs> on your face nice. uh, when you really concentrate on those. You like close your eyes and put your hands. All right, Dave. Dave. <laughs> Dave, this, is, this is this, this is important because Cat usually gets these. I need a part of the body. No, it's my turn. Oh, Cat, I need a part of the body. <laughs> you get them all. Feet. Okay. It's still. I didn't that's say still. It. Oh, that's sick, good. Though. That is good. <laughs> all right, Dave. Adjective. Um. Uh, sexy. Ooh. <laughs> I like it. I I uh, Trent, that. Trent, adjective. Uh, okay, uh, boring. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Okay, Trent, tell me how you really feel. Cat, another, uh, a noun. Um, motorcycle. All right, Dave, adverb. <laughs> Lovingly. Who's up now? Uh, Trent. 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 Noun. Yeah. Noun. Yep. Game. Nice. Game. Tropical. Tropical, yeah. indeed. All right, cat. Uh, adjective. Spicy. <laughs> this one's so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Dave. Adju- ad- ad- adjective. Tropical. Oh, great! I like that. Trent, verb. Kill. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Cat, a noun. Uh, cactus. <laughs> Dave, a noun. <laughs> Excrement. <laughs> Wonderful. Last one, Trent. Adjective. <gasps> Adjective, um, musty. Ooh, <laughs> nice one. <laughs> Graphic. I just had to okay. look around for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> All right, are we ready? Yes. Yes. Okay. A spooky, scary, slimy story. Mm. It was a dark and slimy night. The wind was jumping through the trees, and off in the distance, the wolves were howling at the gargoyle. I wanted to get home as fast as my tires could carry me. My feet was pounding, and my breath was coming in sexy gasps. 
(laughs) (laughs) Suddenly, I felt the boring hand of a motorcycle (laughs) touch my neck, and I screamed, (laughs) lovely. The monster lifted me off the game and threw me onto the spicy ground. Then, with his tropical hands, he tried to kill the cactus out of me. I screamed so loudly, I woke up every excrement in the forest. (laughs) My scream had awakened me, too. I was having a misty nightmare. Musty. That's like like a wet dream. A a musty nightmare. I'm sorry. Oh, a musty musty nightmare. That's a little different. It's a little grosser. Yes. Great. Uh, They make... They, I don't know if they make them all encompassing for any verb slash noun slash item that you not could all insert. Inclusive. Yeah, it's not all inclusive. It's not the. It's not a Jamaican resort. I think the problem it, might be more on the user end. I'm not sure. Yeah, but isn't the whole point <laughs> is to have someone just say the thing anyway? Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs>